The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. There's been a win in the fight against human trafficking. A bishop-backed bill has passed the House in a landslide vote. The Frederick Douglass Trafficking Victims Prevention and Protection Reauthorization Act strengthens and expands anti-trafficking programs. The bill still has to go before the Senate. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Isn't it weird we talk about this stuff like human trafficking? It's so strange. Today, right? 21st century human beings are selling other human beings well the house yesterday overwhelmingly passed a bill reauthorizing a law against human trafficking it's named after the uh, the abolitionist frederick douglas the bill provides grants for schools to give situational awareness training for both elementary and secondary students and faculty and it also authorizes survivors uh housing and, and education and employment programs and also offers, uh, I think it's I think it's a hundred seventy five million dollar program for housing assistance for victims of of human trafficking and other initiatives. I'm, I'm always surprised by this story when I hear you know about these types of initiatives because I think of it being somewhere far off like Taiwan, right? Somewhere in Southeast Asia or some other place, not the United States of America. And I had a very sobering reality, well, sobering encounter with a woman who was trafficked. Uh, I had the great opportunity to speak to somebody who was. Uh, when I was broadcasting out of another state, was literally trafficked two miles from my studio. And she told a harrowing tale of what she went through. And, of course, Super Bowl just finished. And that's, you know, a day in a city, wherever that is, that you know more prostitution, more trafficking takes place than anywhere else. Of course, we've got open borders, too, so lots going on. Um, here's an overview right now from uh, current news on this trafficking bill. Check this out. This new bill, it really renews and builds on the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000. And that bill really allowed the U.S. to grow its, its help to survivors and advocacy for human trafficking and how to address the problem. So what this new bill does is it strengthens those existing programs and it helps survivors with things like education, legal help, assimilation into, into society in a number of different ways. All right, and the bishops have been supporting this bill, saying in a statement released February 1st, quote, it is incumbent upon all of us to unite in promoting efforts that prevent the evil of human trafficking. But their support has gone back further than that, right? That's right. So the Trafficking, trafficking Victims Protection Act 2000 actually expired in 2021. So for the past three years, the U.S. bishops have really been calling on Congress to pass this bill that was passed. So they've been on the forefront of this. It's gone through various iterations over that three years, but it now has finally crossed the finish line, at least with respect to the House. Rises the international Megan's Law, which requires convicted sex offenders to provide the government with their travel itinerary if they plan to go out of the country so the government can, well, make those countries aware of the fact that offenders plan to visit, which I think is good. So we'll see. Uh, weird news, but uh, important news. I hope we get to a day when we can respect the dignity of the human person. Again, I'll go back to a point that, that I often think this is all rooted in, the culture of death. When you don't respect the child in the womb, how are you going to respect anyone else, right? Need to get that issue right, too. George Soros, I just, one of my colleagues sent me, and I think, well, it was Patrick Madrid, sent me um, an article a couple of days ago about the left leaning Hungarian billionaire. And he, apparently, he's made a bid for a stake on the second largest radio company in the country, uh, Audacity, which is, I think they own iHeart. And um, they're in bankruptcy. So, Soros. 
He bought it for $400 million, or he bought $400 million of its debt, I should say. And he got in exchange for that 220 stations around the country. That's a heck of a buy. Holy cow. Uh, you know, the, the company owns giants like uh, New York's the, the Fan, WFAN, and 1010WINS, as well as Los Angeles, KROQ. And uh, one insider told uh, the Post that he believes that Soros is doing it so he can influence public opinion leading up to the next presidential election. Uh, no kidding. Uh, Father Rocky and I were talking about this, and he pointed out to me, he says, you know what? Uh, TV and um, and print are dying. But radio remains strong, right? And we know the power of radio. Wouldn't wouldn't a liberal mindset like to take over powerful forums uh, like you know ten ten WINS or you know K Rock or the Fan or any of these places? Sure, because right now the only place for for really religious and and conservative talk you're going to find it on the AM dial. So now you're going to get a left leaner like a George Soros who clearly has an agenda. Uh, of course, buying up these stations. Here's a hot take, though, from Dave Bondi on uh, TikTok talking about Soros buying the majority stake in Audacity. He is putting $415 million stake in Odyssey, one of the biggest radio companies in the United States. Now, Soros, obviously controversial for many reasons, but he is going to take a major stake in this company $415 million. Now, he will not be the main owner of the company, but he will have a major influence. Now, this company, you may not have heard of them before, but they own a lot of stations across the country here in Michigan, in the Detroit area. They own WWJ Radio. They own lots of stations with dozens and hundreds of news departments in the United States. So what influence may he have on these stations? That's yet to know. You know, when I heard about the sale of Odyssey, I I was thinking to myself, man, would it be nice if Relevant Radio could have scooped up those 220 stations, right? Can you imagine Relevant getting Odyssey, what we would do to the country? Hey, if 400, or, or well, like I said, he doesn't he doesn't own it outright, but he's got a majority share in it. I mean, it was a pretty good deal. And this guy is worth tons of money. So this is this was chump change for him. But let's pray. Let's pray for his conversion. You know, I always want to say that because I, you never know how somebody's life can change and they can use the gifts that God has given them, especially these temporal gifts, for good. So say a prayer for George Soros. Uh, Donald Trump's civil trial underway. A decision is expected today from the New York courtroom. I have not plugged into the news in the past hour or so, so I'm not quite sure if anything else has developed. But the state, uh, since then, the state has sued the former president and his company claiming they committed fraud on a number of different issues, and Trump and his company are facing a $370 million fine. The trial's one of a number that Trump is facing before the election. Three of those cases being criminal trials. And he has pleaded not guilty to 91 charges that have been brought against him. I said to my wife, I could not, I couldn't deal with it. I don't know how the man does it. You know, I don't know how the man does it. He's in trial during the day and he's campaigning at night. One final story, and Dr. Paul Kangor is going to be by. Uh, the National Shrine of the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception was vandalized. I don't know if you heard about that. It's so sad. Somebody took a hammer to Mary, protector of the faith statue in the gardens that surround the basilica, and the nose was broken. Several dents were put into her face. And our Sunday visitor said that the uh, lights surrounding the statue were also broken. No word yet about the suspect. So 
um, more acts of vandalism against church property. Uh, there was another story, pray for the soul of, uh, of, uh, of a man who stood up to Vladimir Putin. His name was Alexei Navalny, and he died in prison. Uh, he had been Putin's fiercest opponent running for office for an anti, on, on an anti-corruption platform. And uh, apparently members of his team were headed to the Arctic penal colony where he was to verify the government's claim. And reports are that he was walking outside when he collapsed and guards were unable to revive him. He's been poisoned a number of times and... You know, he's been in prison for a really long run. And I'm telling you what, they stick you up there in this Arctic penal colony, no chance of, ex- of escape. They say the conditions there are brutal. He's supposed to be jailed for 30 years on a number of charges, including embezzlement, which his supporters claim they're fabricated. And, and that came after the Kremlin tried to, as I said, poison him with a Soviet-era nerve agent. He survived that, went to Germany for, to recover. You might remember that story. Then was arrested a couple of years ago. It was 2021. It's been in prison ever since. Uh, Dr. Paul Kengor has written about him and his death. I want to get you plugged in to that story. Uh, you can find that at the American Spectator or go to spectator.org. Uh, Professor Kengor, as you know, is a regular contributor here, professor of political science at uh, Grove City College in Pennsylvania. And he joins me right now. Doctor, good to have you with me. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks, Drew. Good to be with you. Yeah, thank you for writing so promptly about this. I caught this story very yeah. early. Next thing I know, I get an email from you saying, hey, I'm covering this. Uh, the, mm-hmm. I saw Kamala Harris come out and speak about it. The Biden administration's playing the place the death squarely on Putin. They said, make, make no mistake, Putin is to blame for his death. And um, Biden said that uh, there would be consequences for Russia if he died in prison. But you know, that was before mm-hmm. Putin invaded Ukraine. Give us some story about uh, some backstory on on who he was, uh, his history, and what this means if it will have any impact at all. His death. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really quite sad, Drew. I, I mean, and I think maybe the only you know silver lining to come out of this is that it will awaken some of these you know bizarre Putin defenders in in America and the West again to the reality that. Putin's just a vicious thug. I, I mean, you know, with with, with the dex, with the death here of Navalny, I can't think of any at this point Putin, who challenger, dissident, opposition leader who's not, uh, you know, exiled or dead. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he's just he he wipes them all out. I remember, it was several months ago that he had Prigozhin yep. uh, blown out of the sky. Yep in the airplane, right? The bomb went off in the airplane and you can see the airplane circling down, smoking, you know, from 20,000 feet crashes into the ground. That's the guy who had tried to move against Putin last summer with his, with his Wagner group. And then I guess got cold feet, whatever turned around and then went to Belarus. And, uh, Lukashenko was supposed to protect him there, but he made the mistake of leaving or trying to leave. And, an old uh, mad dog Putin, right? Uh, oh, Vlad the Impaler yeah. uh, got him, had him blown out of the sky. So now, now this guy, Navalny, yeah. I mean, he was this charismatic Russian figure, uh, 47 years old. That's it, right? He's younger than you and I. Wow. Um, yeah, fairly young wife, two young kids. He was, um, he was Putin's main challenger. Putin tried to poison him a few years ago. 
uh, didn't succeed in killing him then. So, so they send him off to Siberia, Drew. Yeah. I mean, this is right. It's like right, it's like right out of the movies, yeah. right, right, right out of the Cold War. They 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 ship cart him off to the Gulag Archipelago, as Alexander Solzhen would would have called it. This, you know, this spot is called Polar Wolf. I know. It's 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 right on the the literal edge of the Arctic Circle, right? I mean, picture. You know, people old enough to remember, you know, Dr. Zhivago, right? Snow everywhere and yeah. piled up and everybody freeze. Why do they send people out there? Well, they send them out there so they don't try to escape. Because if you try to escape, you're not going to survive the weather, the elements. So, so you know, he, he's there shivering as this dissident out in the cold. And, and, uh, and, and the Russian prison authorities inform us this morning, I learned about probably about 8, 8.30, yeah. 9 a.m. Eastern time. That uh, that he's dead, so, so, so um, they got him. They doctor, got him. fill me in though on on the purpose of this. He's, he's given a sentence. I think they added nineteen years to his the existing sentence. He had he was going to be in there for thirty years in a place that no one would want to be. Why why exterminate him? Why kill him? Why why not just let him yeah. rot in prison? Well, I, and I think that shows just what a total uh, thug Putin is. The I guess the only reason could be that if the man continues to gain any popularity right from prison uh, a following from prison this is uh, this is putin's way of eliminating him you know to, yeah. to quote joseph stalin uh death solves all problems no man no problem yeah. right yeah. so so when when you're a thug a dictator and if, let me you know use some catholic language here from john paul ii when you have no respect for the sanctity and dignity of human life when you don't view everybody as made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. Right. And I know we have, we have Putin defenders out there who will say, well, you know, he's a supporter of the Russian Orthodox Church. He's, uh, he's a traditionalist. He's against abortion. He's against same-sex marriage. I know he is, but he's still a bad guy. Yeah. He's a killer. The, 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 guy, the guy is a thug. And he ruthlessly eliminates, liquidates yes, opponents. And and so so that's what he did here. I, I mean, the uh, so many of these Russian leaders—they're just savages. Yeah. They they are brutes. I, I, my my old friend Bill Clark, who was Reagan's closest advisor, and I was his biographer. I knew him really well, and he used to say to me, Drew. He would say all the time. He'd say, "Paul, that's so Russian. That's so Russian." And I could just hear him. I could hear those words right today in my ears from Bill. Like, yeah, yeah, here it is again, right? take out another rival that's so russian and it's something that just so many of these russian leaders uh just just have the this ruthless capability within themselves to do these like dastardly despicable things and um and, you know mad dog putin is just um you know the the latest um, thuggish incarnation of that. Yeah, no kidding. Let's do this. We'll grab a few calls. If you want to join us, Dr. Paul Kangor is here, wrote a great piece in the American Spectator. You can check it out. Um, and uh, it's Russian dissident Alexei Navalny dies in brutal Arctic gulag. You can check it out. Uh, and best place to go, doctor, it is uh, it's spectator.org, right? I got the right That's right. Spectator.org. If you type in spectator.org, it's the lead piece yeah, there right, right now. Stan's yeah, in, it, send it around. Yeah. Stan's in northern Nevada. Uh, he's got a, a question for you. Hi, Stan. Hi, hi, Drew. Hi, Dr. Kanger. Hi, Stan. My good question, to hear from you. Good to hear from you. It's, uh, my question is, I was watching the Tucker uh, Carlson interview with Gorbachev this morning, 
And when I read your works, and I'm reading Bella Dodd right now, and it's outstanding work, but when I start reading your works, the, uh, the dupes and all of these, I start getting this impression that now that, you know, we had the Soviets trying to make America a communist country, now I feel like it's the Chinese that have picked up that thing. And when I listen to this interview and I listen to what's going on and I listen to uh, Putin's side of this, I sort of cancel out the two evils. I think what President Biden is doing with transgender sex and that is evil. And I think a lot of the actions of Putin is evil. But when I listen, and, and of course, Margaret Thatcher said that Gorbachev was a man that could, she could work with. And she had discussions with him about internal politics and kind of get in mind off there. Now, if we're all sitting there saying that we can't talk to this man and all our politicians are there, I'm just wondering when we start, I am having a hard time believing that maybe the United States didn't have a hand internally in this guy's death, or maybe if it were an accident, they could be blown out of proportion. Is that is that a thing that you that we could be overlooking here? Is there a thing that could obviously open well, our minds to more discussion on this? Thanks, I'm going to let Doctor respond to you. I know you mentioned that Tucker Carlson did a an interview with Gorbachev. He actually did it with. Um, uh, Vladimir Putin. But, Doctor, I think you knew that. Right. I just wanted to make sure everybody was clear. Sure, sure. And you can respond to Stan. Yeah, I thought it was a good, a good interview, too. And a lot of people are beating, beating up Tucker Carlson for it. Um, but, I mean, boy, boy, they went on for over two hours, Drew, in that, yeah. that interview. And, and I, I thought my takeaways from that interview was uh, I think Tucker let, let Putin expose what an authoritarian, expansionary, uh, you know, thug he is. And, in fact, Putin several times in that, and then Stan will appreciate this because he calls a lot. I know, I know how he knows this history and the Cold War history, and people listening, especially in this Catholic station, will appreciate this. Putin several times in that interview accused Poland of starting World War II, and 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 in fact, I have the text right in front of me. Yeah, quote: Poland collaborated with Hitler. Unquote. This is Putin. Quote: Poland cooperated with Hitler. Unquote. Quote, uh, Poles pushed Hitler to start World War II by attacking them. Poland turned out to be uncompromising, and Hitler had nothing else to do but start implementing his plans with Poland, unquote. And in fact, as people listen to this show, admirers of John Paul II know, uh, Poland was started by Hitler and Stalin collaborating together with their Hitler-Stalin pact where they mutually agreed to invade Poland a, a week later. That, that's how it started. Yeah. You know, Poland was the victim here. So but my kind of long point here is that that interview by Tucker, I think, had great value in showing people, including a lot of Putin apologists, that this is how twisted Putin is. I mean, not only does he think that Ukraine shouldn't exist and that it's Russian territory, yeah. he's convinced himself that the Poles started World War II. Yeah, that's so weird how you uh, rate history. Meg, yeah. you, you've got a thought, too. You want to jump in? Yeah, I, I watched that interview while I was um, folding laundry the other night. And, um, you know, C- Tucker comes out of the gate. He wants to ask about Ukraine and what's going on there. And Putin spends the first 40 minutes of the interview going back to the 800s. He starts back at the 800s, the very beginning of the concept of Russia and through all of Russia's history 
which on some level was impressive given our commander in chief can't string a sentence together, but mm-hmm. neither here nor there. He, Tucker a couple of times tries to like cut to the chase and, and, and ask questions to redirect to the current situation. And I, when you say mad dog Putin, Dr. Kangor, <laughs> he like, he would give these stares to Tucker that I, I'm like, this is a KGB officer. He, right. he, and his answers were always so calm and collected. And Tucker looked yeah. like a kind of like a schoolboy. School yeah. 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 So it was just a very interesting thing to witness. It was kind of a wild ride. Well, you know, Maggie, and, and right off, I have that text right in front of me. So, so yeah, Tucker asked him about Ukraine right off. And then, and then Putin, with a smile and a politeness, says, if you don't, these are his exact words, if you don't mind, I will take only 30 seconds or one minute yeah. of your time to give you a brief <laughs> historical background, right? Exact words. So then he goes to the 45 minutes later. <laughs> right. In the year 862, 988, by the way, that's a big year in the history of the church, right? 1862, names like Rurik, a, 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 a Varangian prince from Scandinavia, Rurik's successor, Prince Oleg, Prince Vladimir, Prince Yaroslav, and on and on and on, right? Talking about the fatherland. And, 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 but in a way, with, to Tucker's credit, he knew he had a long time with, with Putin. So I think there was a certain value in just letting the guy talk, yeah, right? Too. Yeah. And, and a lot of people on the left would, have, would say, like, well, why didn't he ask him about why he collaborated with, uh, with Donald Trump against Hillary? The, the best thing to do was uh, – what's the, what's the famous line from Lenin? Um, you ne- or what is it? The Napoleonic maxim. Never interfere with the enemy when he's in the process of destroying himself, <laughs> right? Just, just let Putin talk. Let him hang himself. Let, let him show the world what he's like. And if you're still a Putin apologist after that interview – I mean, I don't know what's going to turn you around. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, this Navalny's an interesting guy. He didn't have to come back to Russia, and yet he did return despite the right. the, the risks. Uh, what are the implications of his death in terms of future anti-corruption efforts in Russia? You know, what are the limits of individual act, you know, activism, let's say, against authoritarian regimes like this if you're going to end up in prison or dead? Yeah, well, and in fact, it's very interesting that you say that, Drew, because I, I was when I heard of his death, and I was outside walking around the house and just thinking about this, and I, I thought the same thing. Why did Why did Navalny even go back to Russia? Right? I mean, he actually he actually went to Yale um, for for a time, Yale University, and and you wonder why why does somebody even want to thrust himself into that kind of an environment? Right. Why not just get out of there? Why not just go somewhere in the West like Vladimir Bukovsky or one of those guys who became a dissident, lived in Britain, um, Oleg Kalugin lived in, in the United States. But uh, you have to admire a guy like Navalny who said, you know, these these are my people. Uh, my country has been hijacked by a thug. We had all this promise in the Yeltsin years. And um, I'm going to go back and fight and 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 take them on. And he ended up doing that at the cost of his life. He, he, he lost his life as a result. So, and it's a signal, I think, to your other question, um, and this probably gets to Putin, your point, why did Putin do this? This is his way of telling everybody in Russia, you do not mess around with me. I, I blew Prigozhin out of the sky. I carted this guy off to the Arctic Circle. And, uh, and, you, and this is what can happen to you if you mess around with me. And by the way, 
bigger picture. Yeah. Next week, uh, February 24th is a two-year anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine. And, and, and wow. Putin gave a speech on December 31st a few weeks ago saying, we will not retreat. We will not back down. So it, 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 maybe this means he's ramping up to do something there again, send yet more Russian boys into the meat grinder. And, and this would be his way of telling any opponents, um, don't try to take a coup on me, uh, do a coup against me for whatever I'm about to do in the Ukraine, or you'll end up like Navalny or Prigozhin. Yeah. My guest, Dr. Paul Kengor, I know I have a moment or two left with you. I'm curious about the implications of Navalny's death for Putin, for his regime, for its perception, both domestically and internationally, or will it become a, a memory? I, you know, he's now, he was already in prison. Now he's dead. Um, but what's this do for Putin's reputation and for the regime? Well, it ought to make uh, it ought to further in the eyes of the world the perception that that he's a you know really bad guy, a thug, a dictator, an authoritarian. Um, but yet, it really troubles me is, and I'm looking at some of the reader comments in response to my article at the American Spectator, and and I, I'm running into American Putinists again who are yeah. who are defending this guy. I say, well, I'll tell you who the real thug is. It's Zelensky in the Ukraine. He's a Nazi, just like Putin said he is. And, and, and again, if, if things like this don't turn you around, I don't know what will. And I mean, he doesn't right. think Ukraine should exist. He thinks Poland started World War II, killed right. Navalny, killed Prigozhin, killed Alexander Litvinenko, on and on and on and on. Right. And by the way, he was supposed to leave office in 2008. Right. He had a two-term limit on his presidency. All right. right. He's there until at least 2030. Right. All right. Yeah, he'll be there a long time. Yeah, as long as he lives, he's probably going to be in power. Let let me grab a quick call because I know we have a minute or two left. Mary's in Minnesota. Mary, you're on the air with Dr. Kengor. Welcome. Hi. um, I was just having a question about um, you had mentioned, you know, that the left was, um, you know, they would likely um, ask Tucker, like, why didn't he ask, you know, um, Trump, like, why he colluded with Putin for the um, against the Hillary campaign. But um, you know, that's been disproven that, um, you know, Trump colluded with anyone uh, to try to, um, you know, win the election in 2016. Actually, it's been factually documented that it was Hillary Clinton that um, started that whole um, lie to try to sway the election in, in her in her favor. Um, and secondly, um, Zelensky, he does promote um, the Nazi party. It's the only party or it's the only country in the world where they recognize the Nazi, Nazi party is legitimate. So I'm not saying that Putin's like some wonderful hero, but, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing from the mainstream media about Ukraine and Russia, it's not true. All right, Mary, thank you. Doctor, I'm giving you the final thoughts, last words. Yeah, yeah. Well, well and, and you know, let me say it, it is true that, that you know, Zelensky and the Ukrainians aren't angels. So, so that, that's definitely part of it. Now, to her first point, yeah, I think that's really important. I agree emphatically and completely. Uh, you know, the whole the whole Trump colluding with Putin thing against Hillary has been proven demonstrably false, including with millions of dollars of federal government dollars, taxpayer dollars investigating. Right. Um, so. So, yeah, it, leave it to the left to probably think to themselves, well, why isn't he not asking them about the collusion against Hillary? Right. Well, he's not asking because it never happened. Right. right. And you guys were wrong about all of that. And, and, and it does bother me, too. I, I and I know. A lot of American conservatives feel this way. It bothers them that American liberals who were never hard on the Russians and the Soviets during the Cold War are now these new Russia hawks 
who outside of their front window next to their rainbow flag are flying Ukrainian flags, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and why? Well, because they convinced themselves that Putin worked against Hillary with Trump. They don't like the fact that Putin's against abortion and same-sex marriage. And so for a lot of American conservatives, they feel uneasy about you know laying down with liberals <laughs> on, on their Putin opposition. And I can understand that. But for whatever reason, um, liberals are, are right in this one, regardless of how they got to, of how they got to the position, and that Putin is bad. Putin's Dr. a bad guy. Th thank you for going, Mary. Appreciate your call too. Um, Russian dissident Alexei Navalny dies in a brutal Arctic Gulag. If you want to read Dr. Kengor's piece, it's available at the American Spectator. Go to spectator.org. Share it on your social media. Great insights as always, Doctor, and, and thanks for being with us. Look forward to it next time you and I get together. Okay. Hey, Drew. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. That's Dr. Paul Kengar. I've got to take a short pause. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. We'll take a look at who Vladimir Putin is, the U.S., Russia, New World Order, Tucker's interview, and more. Stay with me. All the news and issues of the day. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Thanks to network sponsor PushPay. PushPay offers parishes, a platform for tracking donations and sacraments, overseeing schedules, mobile apps to help manage your administrative load, and much more. Info at relevantradio.com slash pushpay. That's relevantradio.com slash pushpay. Russian President Vladimir Putin's chief critic and opposer, Alexei Navalny, has died in jail, according to Russian prison services. At the age of 47, Navalny was held in a prison near the Arctic Circle, where he had been sentenced to work at a penal colony for 19 years. Putin critics are frequently imprisoned for opposing the Russian president, and some are even assassinated. No information on Navalny's cause of death has been released. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, it's really a fascinating development. This on the heels of the House Intelligence Committee Chair Mike Turner's very cryptic warning about some pending action by some belligerent state actor, and he warned all members of Congress about you know, Russia and he wanted the administration to declassify, declassify the documents related to their ability to perhaps take our satellites out of orbit, blind our military, take out our communications. A lot going on with Russia, right? The, the, there was a, a day and an age in journalism when, when journalists would vie for each other to score big interviews like grabbing the president of the United States or other international political fi figures. So when Tucker Carlson suddenly showed up in Moscow for an interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, the resulting noise sounded less like, um, you know, applause for what he was able to accomplish, a lot like jealousy because, uh, you know, he was scoring an interview, well, maybe not even jealousy. You know, people were saying he was treasonous for doing this, right? I mean, they were furious that he went over there and did this. But Carlson, you know, uh, he sat there for about two hours with Vladimir Putin, and they talked, uh, oh, about all sorts of things. He let Vladimir Putin, you know, prattle on about Russian history, uh, things that led up to his decision to invade Ukraine. But, of course, uh, you know, for Putin, it wasn't just an invasion. He called it a special operation inside a country that he thinks should be his. So trying to get the word out in you know, edgewise with him is probably pretty difficult for Carl for Carlson. So I'll give him a break on that. Megan, we have audio on on what uh, Vladimir said about the uh, Russian invasion. 
Do you have that? Let me let me play a little bit from the interview with Tucker. Rebecca Koffler's standing by. She's going to be joining me in a second here, too. We'll get her take as well. Uh, here's some of the exchange with Vladimir Putin regarding that invasion. Listen. Would you be satisfied with the territory that you have now? I will finish answering the question. You just asked the question about neo-Nazism and denazification. Look, the president of Ukraine visited Canada. This story is well known, but being silenced in the Western countries. The Canadian Parliament introduced a man who, as the Speaker of the Parliament said, fought against the Russians during the World War II. Well, who fought against the Russians during the World War II? Hitler and his accomplices. It turned out that this man served in the SS troops. He personally killed Russians, Poles and Jews. The SS troops consisted of Ukrainian nationalists who did this dirty work. The president of Ukraine stood up with the entire parliament of Canada and applauded this man. How can this be imagined? The president of Ukraine himself, by the way, is a Jew by nationality. Really, my question is, what do you do about it? I mean, Hitler's been dead for 80 years. Nazi Germany no longer exists. And so, true. And so, I think what you're saying is you want to extinguish or at least control Ukrainian nationalism. But how? How do you do that? Listen to me. Your question is very subtle, and I can tell you what I think. Do not take offense. Of course. And it goes on. I, I'm not going to continue to play it. I, I want to speak to an expert who understands the mindset of Vladimir Putin very well. And again, I, I, I wanted to address this. I didn't expect the death of Navalny. Uh, really, what really rocked me was the word leaking out about Russia having nuclear missiles that were capable of destroying U.S. satellites. And this, again, that comes after the, the Tucker Carlson interview as well. Um, Vladimir Putin's an interesting character. And joining me today to give us some insight into him, into uh, Russia's ambitions, and much more is Rebecca Koffler. She's a former defense intelligence agency intelligence officer and the author of the best-selling book, Putin's Playbook. And uh, you can check her out online. She's the managing editor of cuttothenews.com. She's got another book coming out soon, American Bolsheviks, the persecution of Donald Trump and the Sovietization of America. Can't wait to read that one. Uh, Rebecca, thank you for your time. Good afternoon. Of course. Good afternoon. It's such a pleasure to be here with you and your audience, Joe. Yeah, it's a delight to talk to you. You know, these reports from Russia, assuming they're accurate, what's your take on Navalny's death? Let's start there first. And... You know, do we take it with a grain of salt? Is he truly dead? And and if so, why would Vladimir Putin take him out when he's in prison for the next 30 years? Sure. Well, at this point, we don't have a confirmation, uh, an independent, rather, confirmation of Navalny's death. Yes, uh, the Russian media, uh, official state media, is uh, spreading the news that he's dead. Um However, Navalny's exiled spokeswoman, Kira Yermesh, said that uh, she could not at this time confirm whether the prison services announcement um, is correct. And they can't confirm until Navalny's attorney visits the prison colony. Uh, right. 
it is my assessment that uh, Navalny is either dead or will be dead soon. Uh, why is that? Um, Putin himself has briefed, has been briefed on Navalny's uh, death um, because Mitri uh, Piskov, Putin's uh, press secretary and uh, uh, propagandist, uh, said so. And so Putin could have had multiple motives to get rid of Navalny, and certainly there's a long track record of Putin. Um, Having authorized assassinations, but Putin is not the only one who had a motive. I mean, there's Zelensky who also uh, would benefit, both Putin and Zelensky would benefit from this death. So we don't wow. know for sure. That's really interesting. You know, Tucker Carlson, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of his interview or not. Um, Absolutely. Well, I watched uh, I watched two hours and seven minutes and 18 <laughs> seconds in both languages, Russian and English. Oh, wow. Well, break it down for me, Ben. I, you know, uh, I understand he was given the royal treatment when he was in Moscow, which seemed kind of reminiscent of the old Soviet days when influencers would have uh, minders to keep them in place. But how was it something like Carlson um, landed that interview and you think he was manipulated at all? And give me your takeaway since you watched this in both languages, what was being communicated and what did you take away from it? Of course. Uh, so, well, first of all, uh, Tucker has been trying to get uh, this interview with Putin for about three years. And for that, he was targeted by the U.S. spy services. Um, they were monitoring uh, the NSA, you know, which is part of the intelligence community, the agency that does uh, communication intercepts via various methods. Um, so the Washington establishment obviously did not want Tucker uh, to do this interview. They wanted to prevent him from that because Tucker is one of very few remaining uh, U.S. journalist who is unbiased. He does true uh, journalistic work, trying to get uh, both sides of the issue uh, covered. And uh, most of the legacy media, whether it's uh, Navalny or whether it's uh, Russia-Ukraine, presents only one side of the story, right? It's, it's almost like uh, the, uh, the Soviet and the Russian media right now, you know, getting filtered information. So, so... Uh, Putin knew that uh, Tucker is not hostile, um, although Tucker was perceived as pro-Russian. He simply wanted to get to the bottom of it. And yes, uh, Putin is a former KGB operative, right? He dominated the interview. He did have an agenda. The agenda was to um, reach the American audiences and present the case, the historical case, why Russia uh, has claims on the land um, of Ukraine. And he went all the way to the ninth uh, century, right, explaining this. He Tucker tried to interrupt Putin. Uh, that didn't work again uh, because Putin used it as a psychological operation. But we did glean some very, very important uh, points. Uh, that Putin made. And one of those, obviously, we can't cover everything right now. It was a two-hour interview. But one of the points uh, that he made, it is my assessment, that Putin does want to settle the Russia-Ukraine conflict. But he wants to settle it on his terms, not on Washington's terms. Well, I get that. Well, let me do this. Hold the thought, Rebecca. 
I'm going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we can talk much more. I'd love to get your take also on that news that broke regarding uh, anti-satellite capabilities in space that could blind the U.S. And we can take a few calls. If you want to join us, the number to get in, 888-914-9149. Our conversation will continue with more right after this. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, today we'd like to thank Santi, who's listening in Maine, for donating his 1983 Jaguar XJ6. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. Pray, hope, and don't worry. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy, coming up next. Hey, thanks for being with me here. You know, the other day, uh, we spoke a little bit about word that leaked out regarding Russia having nuclear missiles that were capable of destroying U.S. satellites. And, of course, it didn't do a whole lot to smooth out any of these, uh, any of the wrinkles with U.S. Russian relations. Uh, a lot of people uh, were wondering why the House Intelligence Committee chair, Mike Turner, was so emphatic about this. As I said the other day, he's not really a bomb thrower. Kind of gave me a little pause because of that. You know, I, they, we've known that they've had been working on these capabilities. Why now did it come out? How real of a threat is it? Is it something that we as Americans should be concerned about? I'm joined today by somebody who has some perspective on that. She's a former Defense Intelligence Agency intelligence officer. Her name's Rebecca Koffler. She's the best-selling author of the book called Putin's Playbook. You can find her at cuttothenews.com. She's got a new book coming out, too. Check it out. It's called American Bolsheviks. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, when it... Uh, makes it to my my desk. Rebecca, it's good to have you back here. Let's pick it up on the breaking news that happened this week regarding the ability to blind U.S. military and take out our communications. What do you make of that? Um, was this a leak? Was it something that Congress had known about? Uh, you know, Fill me in on, on what you do know. Yes. Uh, let's uh, set the record straight uh, here. It was a leak. Um, before I get to the leak and the motivation for the leak, I'd like to uh, say that uh, when I was the DIA intelligence officer, I participated in multiple war games that simulated a space conflict between Russia and the United States. And Russia does indeed have a, a full arsenal of what they call space weapons that includes not just missiles, but both kinetic and non-kinetic options, such as satellite jamming, such as airborne and uh, ground-based lasers, so, and, and many, many more, right? The direct ascent uh, missiles. And those capabilities are designed to either knock out U.S. satellites or render them inoperable uh, non-kinetically, okay? But the truth is, I personally briefed scores and scores of uh, officials in the Pentagon, in the National Security Council under uh, the Obama administration, right? Uh, combated commands, NATO in the run-up to uh, Putin's invasion of Crimea. Um, Turner's staff, fully aware of it, this is absolutely not 
uh, knew the threat is real, but it is not imminent. Uh, Mike Turner has done nothing about it, to my knowledge, to protect the satellite. The reason uh, why this is coming out right now is, in my assessment, is to gin up additional support uh, for uh, more and more billions for Ukraine, right? Because the House is about to, uh, to vote on the foreign aid package. And we have already provided to Ukraine, uh, or committed to provide, $200 billion, right? Uh, for this unwinnable war, because there's no path uh, to military victory. Uh, for Ukraine. I've said it for, since the very beginning, that was mathematically impossible. And uh, for this reason, I'm no longer invited on legacy news media to talk about that, right? Um, and so what is additional, uh, what is additional 60 billion gonna do that uh, 200 billion uh, didn't do? So yes, it is absolutely a leap. And uh, with an intention, when it comes to nukes, Russia has nukes, but there's no capability right now to knock out US, uh, U.S. satellites uh, with a NUC other than the EMP. There's an EMP capability, uh, electromagnetic pulse, right? But this is a Hail Mary um, solution that would only be used by Putin if Russia and U.S. are in a direct war and Putin is losing. Outside of right, the conflict, right. Putin will never dare to authorize such a strike on the United States. Yeah, no, I, and so all of it has been designed to whip up anti-Russian frenzy right. that Washington is in right now. So we only have a few minutes. I'll, I'll maybe grab a couple of calls. But before we do, uh, you know, there's concern that if he does take Ukraine, Poland or some other nation could be next, Sweden, Finland, some other place. What what are Putin's ambitions? How balanced Absolutely. of a man is he? Uh, you know, I know he has this vision of restoring the the, the Soviet Empire. Uh, I don't know how realistic that is. Sure. Is he happy with with Ukraine, or will he go beyond that and take other border states, other border nations? So again, uh, Drew, let's set the record straight. What is driving Putin? Why did he invade Ukraine? Yeah. Ukraine is considered by Russia as part of the strategic security perimeter, which means that Russia relies, has relied for centuries on depth to protect its territory. With the collapse of the Soviet Union, the uh, this strategic security perimeter, the distance between NATO and Russia has reduced from a thousand miles to a hundred miles. Yeah. No sane military commander would allow this sort of proximity. Right. If Russia or China were to get as close as Mexico and Canada, yeah. what do you think US leadership would do? Yeah, no, no, Putin right. will not invade uh, a NATO country, the Baltics or Poland. He's not an idiot, nor he's suicidal, because NATO enjoys an overwhelming conventional superiority over Russia, yep. not in nukes, but in conventional. And such an invasion would trigger Article 5, collective defense, and Putin would be done. So the people who are saying that Putin is going to invade um, Poland or, or, or another country, mm. there's a logical disconnect. On the one hand, they're saying, oh, Putin's military is so incompetent, they're losing Ukraine, he's depleting his resources. Well, uh, which is it? Is, is, is Putin uh, a superhero or right. is he incompetent? 
Rebecca, I'm starting to lose your signal a little bit. I apologize for that. I don't know. He's got a little fuzzy there, but I think we caught most of what you had to say. Uh, I am really grateful to have you here. I appreciate your perspective. Before I, I let you go, though, your new book comes out when? I, when's that going to hit the presses? So, so it, it's coming out uh, on October 15th oh, okay. before the election. And it's basically intended to demonstrate how the United States is turning into USSR 2.0. I'm originally from the former Soviet Union. I've lived under government control, under tyranny, and under censorship. Mm -hmm. And this is what I see is happening here. The criminalization of political opponents, right? They want to put Trump in prison for 700 years. They are right now... Uh, taking away his ability to run his business empire. I mean, this is Soviet playbook, Drew. I I am stunned what uh, the Democrats are turning this country into. USA is turning into USSR 2.0. That's what the book is about. Well, Rebecca, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service to the country as well. We'll catch up soon, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. God bless you. That's Rebecca Koffler. Check out her book, Putin's Playbook. And, of course, her new one's coming out. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That should be a great read. My apologies to Doug in Santa Cruz. I didn't get to him. He was a little upset that uh, he feels we're uh, anti-Russia or or Vladimir. There's some reasons for some of the things we say here, too. Uh, But I've got to take a short break. Let's pray for the conversion of Russia. We'll do that with the chaplet right after this.